Hey, I'm Judah. You're about to hear a message about Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I hope it is an encouragement to you personally. I want to remind you, if there's anything we can do to serve you, please go to churchhome.org. Join us on Pastor Chat. We want to ensure that you feel loved and cared for. All right, let's get to it. Here's the message. Hey, Church Home, and welcome to Weekly Service. I am so glad that you have joined us today. If we have not had an opportunity to meet, my name is David, and I'm a part of the leadership team. And I am so excited to be preaching today to all of us as a church community, nowhere, no matter where you're at, all across the globe. Um, I feel like every single week I am hearing of a brand new church home location that's popping up in somebody's home or a cafe or some other kind of a location all throughout the globe. Uh, just last week, I heard about an incredible individual who uh, is has opened up their home and has put posters all around their town in Kiev, Ukraine, uh, for their church home location that they uh, are doing out of their apartment um, in a war-torn country, obviously, as the entire world knows, has been going through uh, just absolute tragic times for almost a year and a half now. But it is incredible to see that because of your generosity, the incredible community, and the use of technology, that we are able to facilitate church um, to the ends of the earth. And no matter where you are, what you're going through. So glad that you're here with us today. We're going to jump right in today into a story that if you've been a part of church is going to be a familiar story to you uh, out of Mark chapter eight, starting in verse one. Um, and if you're not familiar with church or with church home, maybe this is one of your first times coming or you're just simply curious around the person of Jesus. We're so glad that you're here today. I truly believe that you're going to be built up and encouraged by the message today. And uh, let's jump on into the scriptures together here in Mark chapter eight, starting in verse one. And it says this, in those days, there was another large crowd with nothing to eat. So Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they've already been here with me three days and they have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they're going to faint on the way. And some of them have come a great distance. His disciples answered him, where can someone get enough bread in a desolate place like this to satisfy these people? And Jesus asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they replied, seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down and he took the seven loaves the disciples gave to him. He gave thanks and he broke them and began giving them to his disciples to serve. And so they served the crowd and they also had a few small fish. And giving thanks for these as well, he told them to serve them to everybody. Everybody ate and was satisfied and they picked up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 who ate and then he dismissed them and immediately got into a boat with his disciples and they went on to a neighboring district. I'm gonna pray as we delve into this topic today, really around the concept of need. Would you pray with me, church home? Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, your compassion. Uh, we pray for an incredible week together. I pray that these moments would matter to us and impact our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every day of the week um, until we gather again next week. We love you so much. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Um, the concept of need is one that we all experience on an ongoing basis. Now, like I said before, if you have been exposed to the person of Jesus or Christendom for any amount of time, it's very likely that you have heard um, this rendition of the book of Mark or maybe the same exact story in told uh, as told in another gospel, uh, really focusing on the concept of need. Now, here we have an incredible scene. Jesus is uh, one of the most famous and, uh, and enamoring individuals to walk around in this day and age, and everywhere he goes, he's drawing a crowd with him. 
as we see here, uh, a crowd of nearly 4,000 people are following him around. And these individuals have been sitting down and they are very, very um, experienced with the concept of need when it comes to hunger. Now, these people have been sitting there for three days with nothing to eat. To be clear, if I don't eat for three hours, ask my wife, I am not a pleasant human being. So these individuals have been sitting there so focused and desiring to listen to Jesus that they are in a large crowd in a desolate place with no food anywhere. They're not even thinking about food. The disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, hey, we've got a, a little bit of a problem on our hands here. We're in a desolate place. We have no way to get food. And they come and they bring their need to Jesus. I want you for just a moment to take a look at the concepts of need in your life. Now, obviously, there's basic needs that we have, right? Um, we need to eat. Like I said, I have to eat every three hours. Um, we need to sleep. We need to have um, shelter. Uh, we need social relationships. In fact, in the United States of America, the Surgeon General just came out with a study in this past year that was transformative, I think, as we think about um, the need for connectivity and for connection, which is the way that God designed us. It says, the study said that um, living in isolation was as harmful for your human health as smoking 15 cigarettes every single day. That's more than two packs of cigarettes every single day. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Now, there's surface needs, but there's also significant internal needs. We need to know um, some of the big questions in life. Why am I here? Why does this even matter? Why does my neighbor matter? Why does somebody who I don't know, who I don't have any relationship with, matter to me? Why do they have inherent value? Why am I here on this planet called earth? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why, why, why? The concept of need is always close to us if we're willing to pay attention to it. And today, I want to for a few moments dissect what God does in the face of our human needs. The first thing that I would like to call out from the story in the book of Mark is the fact that God sees our tangible, practical needs, right? So here we have 4,000 individuals that are just hungry, a very practical necessity for human life. But I want us to see this from a couple angles. God is very aware of the practical needs of the past, of the present, and of the future. Number one, Jesus in the story is aware that these people have been with him for three days, three days. So he has seen their practical need develop over a three-day period. He's understanding that these individuals are right now in this immediate moment in a desolate place and in need of something practical. And in the future, he's realizing that if they don't get what they need, these individuals are likely to faint. And I'm sure some of them are not going to make it on their way home. In fact, they're going to pass away. God is aware of your practical needs. As I've walked through this life of faith, it's been interesting for me to live with that dichotomy of feeling like some things are too small or too practical for me to even consider bringing to God. I will never forget the uh, first time I had a friend in the car and I was going around a parking lot and this friend said, um, we were circling and we were trying to find a parking space and there was not a single parking space in this parking lot. And this friend said, um, I'm gonna pray for a parking spot right now. And I looked at them and I said, you're gonna pray for a parking? Like, isn't that kind of like beneath God? But this individual had such a big perspective of God that they saw that, hey, God cares about everything. So either he cares about everything or he only cares about some things. And I believe that God is big enough to care about everything and all of our practical needs. And um, I was a doubter, I'll be honest. I didn't expect anything to happen when this person prayed. And wouldn't you know it, they prayed for a parking spot and 
in front of us started to pull out the car and they kind of gave me that look over. Like I told you, God cares about all things, but God cares about your practical everyday needs. In fact, what we see is that God doesn't just care. God has compassion towards your everyday needs. Can I ask you today, Churchill, do you actually believe that? Do you actually believe that God has compassion and cares about your practical everyday needs? Now, I grew up in a, in a context to where I didn't necessarily want for things like food or shelter. I was fortunate enough to, to have those things in my everyday life. But I think there were a lot of things that were practical in my life that I didn't have that maybe were hidden one step underneath the surface. But I'll never forget one time where I saw the outward practical need in a very similar circumstance to what we read here in scripture. Now, if you've been around church home for some time, you will know the incredible Joanne Ramos, who um, has brought many people in church home to places all across the world to serve those in need. And I'll never forget the time when I went with Joanne, Pastor Joanne, to uh, the north of Uganda to a remote place called Karamoja. Now, we had to fly on a bush plane to the north of Africa. And if you know my wife, um, she made sure that I upped my life insurance before I went on this trip, just in case, because we had just had a brand newborn. <laughs> so um, life insurance, check, we were good, hopped on the bush plane, and we go to this remote place. Now, um, this is a place that uh, doesn't get any centralized resource and has kind of been forgotten about in society. And when you step off of this bush plane and when you go into these villages, you literally feel like you are turning back the clock of time several thousand years. It's an agrarian society. These people believe that all the cattle in the world belong to them. So if they see you walking around with a cow, they would literally come and kill you. Um, and so thankfully, I do not possess any cattle. So I was able to safely arrive on scene in Karamoja. And we go there. And because it's an agrarian society, they are very affected by the seasons. And they had been in a significant drought. In fact, it had not rained in Karamoja for over a year. Everything was desolate. There was nothing really alive within the landscape. Um, and it was a very um, tough scene. So we stepped in, we, we pull into the village and we start preaching the message of Jesus. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm looking at people who literally, I've never seen this before, look like they're physically dying in their bodies. They look like their bodies are withering away. They're emaciated. They haven't eaten. I don't know when the last time they got water is or where they got it from or what's going on in their bodies, but these people do not look well. And so we get up there and we start to preach about the good news of Jesus. And I'm understandably a little uncomfortable in this environment. I'm trying to kind of find my way. And as I'm sitting there, I feel like um, I hear something in my spirit to start to speak about something very practical and need to them, which is water. I feel God telling me to preach about in scripture when he talks about the fact that he is the living water. So I get up and I start to preach about Jesus and his love for them. And I start to tell them about the fact that in scripture, God says that he is the living water. In fact, there were trees that were still alive in the Karamoja. And the reason they're alive is because there were aquifers deep underground. And these trees were able through their root system to be rooted into the water, even though rain hadn't come on the surface. And so um, we preach about the fact that God is living water for our soul. And um, I felt like it was so well received and people were, were deciding to start to follow Jesus. And as I'm praying to conclude service, I, I'll never forget this. I felt something in my spirit just to say to pray for water. And um, I was obviously pretty hesitant to be the guy who's up in a place in the remote villages of Africa um, where it hasn't rained in a year, 
to pray for something as practical as God to bring rain from the heavens. And, um, but I will never forget the significant impact that I felt to do so. And so in faith, I did. And I asked God to, to bring rain down. And so we go ahead and we get in the vans and, and we go drive back to where we're staying that night. And I will never forget halfway back, sure enough, rain started to pour down from the sky. And I will never forget looking up to heaven and being in awe, to be honest. I, 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 I kind of believe that God might do it, but I would honestly say that God in that moment, he stretched my faith because I don't know if I, I, I had a moment where I doubted, God, do you really care about practical, practical needs so much that you're gonna answer my prayer to bring rain from the heavens? And in his compassion, God started to bring rain down from the heavens. And I don't know what that looks like to you. I don't know what situation has become so desolate as far as practical needs in your life where maybe for an elongated, uh, elongated period of time, there's been a practical need of yours that has been so drought-ridden. It has been so dry. It has been without water. It has been dying in your perspective to the place where you're saying, you know what? Um, I just don't think God really cares about this tangible, practical need in my life anymore. Can I promise you something, church home? God cares about every single one of your needs. There is nothing too big and there is nothing too small. God's compassion and his care towards you is so far greater. Now, we don't follow Jesus so that we get, but we do believe that God cares in his providence so much about you, his people, that we follow him and God cares for every single one of our needs. In fact, scripture says in the book of Matthew that take a look at the lilies of the field. They don't toil, they don't work, yet look how beautifully they're clothed. Take a look at the birds. Take a look, they don't work, yet they find food. How much more of value are you than birds of the sky or the lilies of the field? Church home, God cares about your practical needs. Second thing that we see within this story is the fact that God's compassion involves other people. That God's desire to care for the needs of the world involve you, his followers. They involve his people. Take a look in the book of Mark. God could have done any number of things to take account for the fact that he had 4,000 hungry people who had followed him for multiple days. He's God. I mean, he literally could have summoned food to come from every and any which avenue, and he didn't need the disciples to help. But take a look at the very first thing Jesus does when he's presented with the concept of need is he calls the disciples over. He prays with the disciples. He shows them, asks them what they have. He shows them what it looks like to give thanks. And then he asks them to go distribute to those in need. Did you know, church home, that we are God's plan for compassion to the earth? That God actually wants to use you to help meet the needs of those all around the world. When we take a look at the book of Acts, tens of thousands of people's lives are being transformed every single day. Numbers were being added to by the thousands. It says that multitudes were coming to know Jesus. And we see this beautiful image and picture of the fact that there was a community where people were without need. Now, why were people without need? It's because the community was serving each other. That means that people were so moved by the fact that, remember, number one, God cares about and has given us all that we need. Now, you may not see the immediacy of, the, of that today, but faith in action is the evidence of things that we haven't yet seen. And so having faith for the things that maybe something that you need that God hasn't given yet, that frees you up to say, you know what, God, I believe that you're gonna care for all my needs. So I can stop focusing on myself 
And I can start focusing on my gratitude for what you've given me, my gratitude for what you're yet to give me. And I can get out there and realize that, God, you want to use me as a part of the solution. You want to use me to reach other people. Church home, I believe one of the greatest markers of our church community is generosity. And generosity means simply this. It's the fact that we are so grateful and thankful for what God has given us, that we live a life of response with an open hand saying, God, what I have is not mine, but what I have is yours. That means not just my money, not just my talents, but my time, my effort, my energy. And if you're anything like me, man, maybe you found yourself in a season of life where there's a lot going on. We've got three little kids at home and it can feel like, oh my gosh, like my life is not my own. Uh, we just had a, a day to celebrate uh, my wife and, and everything that she's doing as a mother. Uh, for those moms out there, it is all encompassing. Try to care for kids and in that season of life. Or maybe you've been on the career path thinking, I just really need to spend these next five years, 10 years going in on my career and I can really focus on serving other people later. God wants to use you today. And can I encourage you with something, church home? If maybe you feel like it's been a little while since I've focused on serving anybody other than myself, that's okay. But can I encourage you today? Don't focus on giving, focus on getting. And what I mean by that is focus on receiving the goodness that God has promised to you. Take a look at the story. Do you believe that in the same way God cared for these 4,000, that he knows every single one of your needs? Do you believe that God actually has compassion for your needs? Do you believe that God already has a plan to fulfill your purpose, your plan, your future, and that he is freeing you up to live your life, not just waiting to get things from God, but to be part of the plan and part of the solution today? Maybe it's as simple as doing what scripture says when it says to love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe today God's gonna encourage you to, you live in a condo building and he's saying, you know, get out of your condo and go knock on your neighbor's door and introduce yourself to that person that you pass by in the hallway, walking up and down the stairs and you're gonna, hey, hey, for two years. But maybe you're supposed to say, hey, I've never introduced yourself. Um, my name is so-and-so. It's so nice to meet you. If I can ever serve you or do anything, just let me know. I'm right across the hallway. What does it look like for you to step out in service today? And can I be honest? I feel like sometimes we're held back in serving because we don't think we have enough to bring to the table. But take a look at the story. God asks the disciples, even though he already knows what they have, Jesus says, well, how much do you have in regards to how much food? And they say, we got seven loaves of bread for 4,000 people, Jesus. Now, um, I don't know how big these loaves of bread are, but I'm pretty sure um, there's no way to slice and dice that uh, 2,000 years ago, they were making uh, bread loaves big enough to feed thousands of people. So Jesus knew what he was doing. And he goes to the disciples, says, um, okay, we'll start to break them up. Whatever you have, bring it in service to him. There is nothing that you have that is too small for God to use. Um, I'll never forget a story, and it's honestly changed, I think, my, my lens in regards to generosity. We had a conference a few years ago called Nights of Generosity, where we gathered a bunch of money as a community and gave it to some amazing causes, one of which was A21, an organization that we've partnered with several times to help combat human trafficking, which is horrific across the globe. And uh, the night before, uh, my wife and I had given some money. Um, we didn't have much. We're like, okay, we felt like in faith, we're supposed to give this amount to the organization A21. And there was a big faith step for us. We felt like, oh my gosh, like this is gonna be, you know, wild and crazy. And, and you know, we're gonna have to have faith for our finances this month by giving this amount of money. 
that day I go park our, our car out in front of our, uh, our condo building. And uh, I run inside really quick to go get something. Literally two minutes later, I come back and our car's up on a tow truck. I go to the tow truck driver and I start to plead with him. And if you ever talk to a tow truck driver, um, my utmost respect to the tow truck drivers out there, but this individual looked like somebody that you do not want to mess with. And I don't know if you can see me, but I do not have the biggest stature. So I'm talking to this guy, he's hardened, and I'm literally pleading with him to let me off. And he looks at me and he says, I don't know why I'm doing this. I've never done this before. I'm going to let you go. Here's how much it would have been to tow your car, pay it forward. And I'd like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I get in my car and I start driving back to church for another meeting. And I'm like praying, I'm thanking God. I'm like, God, you're so amazing. We were so generous that you got me off the hook. And like, you know, my car didn't get towed, woohoo. And I will never forget um, just this, this feeling I had on the inside of me. It was almost like God was speaking to me. And I just felt like, you need to give the amount of money that that tow truck driver said to give. And I was like, hold on a second. I start having this conversation with God. God, you know that last night we gave like more than we felt like we even could out of faith, right? Now you want me to get even more? Okay, so I go and I tell Jenna the story and um, we both pray about it. We're like, okay, we feel like we're supposed to give that amount of money to A21 again. So we do it out of faith. The next day I see the tow truck driver and he's driving out in front of our condo building. And I go and I stop him and I say, hey, sir, I don't know if you remember me, but I was the guy yesterday. He's like, yeah, I remember you. Um, And I said, hey, I wanted you to know, you told me how much the tow would be and to pay it forward. My wife and I were a part of a church called Church Home. And here's kind of an organization we partner with. That amount of money, I wanted you to know that I gave that to an organization called A21 um, that goes to stop human trafficking. And um, your generosity to me had an impact on, you know, I don't know, but somebody's life who's being trafficked. And this, uh, underneath his glasses, I saw tears starting to come out from under his eyes. And he told me how he had been talking to God. He didn't believe in God, but he was like, God, um, you know, if you're real, I want you to show me. And he had seen a video about A21 the day before and had wanted to have an impact, but didn't know how within that organization. And so here we are seeing the impacts of the fact that Jenna and I didn't feel like we had a lot to offer. We didn't have big dollar amounts to be writing big checks to organizations. In fact, if I told you the dollar amounts, you'd probably laugh and be like, really, that's all it was? But that didn't matter. All God wanted is to see that whatever I have, God, it's yours. In fact, God uses example after example in scripture of individuals who did not have a lot as far as the amount, but it was the heart posture that they took of generosity to say, God, I believe that you care about my needs. I trust the fact that you're compassionate, you're good, and you care for me. And in that, I'm gonna take a step of faith and I'm gonna believe in you and live an open-handed life. And church home, when we do that, we begin to participate in God's economy. All of a sudden, our money is not limited to how much we bring in and what our budget looks like, but we enter into a divine economy where we see God working not just with our money, but with our time, with your treasure, with your talents. All of a sudden, when you take this attitude into the workplace, you watch your perspective on a job that you're perpetually frustrated with begin to change because you take an attitude of service. Or maybe you are on a sports team and you feel a competitive edge towards another individual, so much so that you don't try to help them. But what if you took a spirit of generosity towards that teammate? And all of a sudden, watch what God starts to do on your team. Church home, I'm telling you, there is something here, something that we see rooted in the book of Acts within the early days of Christendom, when when Jesus' followers were living a radical, open-handed life, 
seeing that you and I and us together as a community, we are God's plan to care for hurting, broken, and dying humanity. Will you bring whatever it is that you have today, however big or however small that may be, to God's doorstep and allow him to use you because you are God's plan to care for his people. And finally, church home, I want us to see this. I want us to see the fact that the compassion of Jesus meets your needs, not just with just enough. No, no, no. It meets with meets your needs with abundance, with abundance. Take a look one last time with me into Mark chapter eight. And what happens? God sees the need and he has compassion, he cares. God empowers and, and uses his people, the disciples, to help meet the needs of others, even when they feel like they didn't have enough, but he got them involved serving the community. And at the conclusion of it, they didn't just eat until they were okay to move on. It says that they were, everybody was fully satisfied and there were seven baskets full of leftovers. Now, the number seven means completion or perfection within scripture. And I want us to take a look at this, is the fact that um, seven the little amount the disciples had was, it was perfect. It may felt, it felt imperfect to them, but it was perfect. And at the end of the story, there's seven full baskets, perfect, it's completed. God has given in abundance more than enough for what these disciples needed. God is not just gonna care for your needs. God's not just gonna use you to serve other people's needs. No, God is gonna provide for you in abundance. Now, I wanna clarify something. Because I think when we think about the terms abundance, we think in worldly terms. We think in the context of the lens of the way that the world defines abundance or having more than enough. Now, um, listen, I believe it could mean get having more than enough money than you, and that you're all set and you have the home you dream of, the car you dream of, the boat you dream of, or whatever it is. It may mean that. But can I be honest, church home? Um, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe God's vision of abundance in our life looks far different than the things of material possessions. Because can I tell you what I can promise you abundance means? Abundance means the fact that you have a home for all of eternity. Abundance means the fact that I can promise you, church home, that if once you say yes to Jesus, that you have the greatest helper known to man that lives on the inside of you and you can't get rid of him. He's there forever with you, helping you, caring for you, guiding you. Meaning if you're making bad decisions in your life, um, you're, you can't just be okay with that. Have you ever felt that feeling of just being haunted by the bad decisions that you're making? Like you can't be comfortable making the bad decisions even though you continue to do them? Yeah, that's the helper on the inside of you. It's the greatest gift you can ever be given. I can promise you this, is that God is going to give you security in the way that he made you. Maybe you've wondered, God, why did you make me like this? Why am I wired this way? What am I? God made you the way that you are. God cares for you and he is fulfilling your identity and you realizing who you are in him because you're his son, you're his daughter, you're created in God's image. I can promise you this, maybe you've been riddled by anxiety. When we start to follow Jesus, I tell you what, our lives don't get perfect, but I do promise you this, you can start to ask God for a peace that, surpass, that surpasses all understanding. Maybe people will start to look at you and say, why does David, why does Jeff, why does Amy, why does Sarah, why do they have peace in these circumstances? It makes no sense. The world is crumbling around them. It's because we're rooted in Jesus. God cares about your needs, not just getting you just enough, but God does care about giving you in abundance. And I tell you what, church home, I do believe that God will give you all the desires of your heart. And we're gonna ask for those things. We're gonna believe for those things. But more than anything, we're gonna be focused on being open-handed, 
on being people who serve the community around us in a way that shows the love and the compassion of Jesus to the world around us. I'm going to pray for us, church home, and I'm believing that as we go throughout this week, that God is going to show you ways in which he wants to use you to help reach other people. God, we thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that the story from 2,000 years ago um, is not distant, God, but it's real to us today. We thank you, Jesus, that you know every single one of our needs. We thank you that you give us what we need in abundance. God, we thank you for the fact that we are your plan to reach a hurting, dying, dying, and broken world. God, I pray that you would help settle our hearts. Give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. God, help us to move throughout our lives with an attitude of knowing that we have already received everything that we need in you. God, we're not in need. We come from a position of strength. God, we have what the world needs, which is you living on the inside of us. And for just a moment, I wanna pray for a special group of individuals who maybe you've never given your life to Jesus before. Today, you'd say, David, I wanna live with that peace on the inside of me. I want God to care for all of my needs. I want to feel like the puzzle piece that's felt like it's missing from my heart is is there, it's complete. I wanna know that I'm cared for and all of my needs are gonna be taken care of in abundance by Jesus. If that's you today, just in your own heart, between you and God, I just want you to say, Jesus, I believe in you, I wanna follow you, and I thank you for your love in me. Jesus, I, I believe in you, I wanna follow you, and I thank you for your love for me. If you prayed that prayer in your heart right now, just between you and God, I'm gonna pray for you. God, we thank you for these incredible friends that have given their lives to you for the very first time. God, I pray right now, just gratitude over the transformation that you are gonna do in their lives. God, they don't have to do it. You're gonna do miracles in their life. God, we thank you that you're gonna take care of every one of their needs. They now have a, a helper that lives on the inside of their heart. It's gonna help them walk through every single day, knowing who you are and guiding them in their path. We thank you, Jesus, for everything in your name. Amen. We love you, church home.